0: Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski.
1: Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And I am joined, as always... By Tom Dorian. Hello, Sidekick. Yeah, how you doing, Ex- Sidekick Extraordinaire? Yeah, well yeah, Sidekick. I don't know extraordinaire. about that, but well, we don't do much. In my own mind, we don't do much French here uh, on the uh, Catholic Cafe, unless we're in France. Lourdes? Yeah, every once did in I say a while. Right? Yeah, yeah. You have to swallow it, <laughs> uh, Pepe. lip <Le> you. <laughs> All that aside, time we, we we go straight. Just to move your so head easily. and face and mouth and everything else around on <laughs> That's that. Exactly right. It's funny. Well, look, we I'm sitting here holding my menu. I see that uh, from the Catholic Cafe, and it's I notice menu, isn't it? Th- th- exactly right. Some good <laughs> stuff. Uh, and I'm I'm looking at this, and it's a, it's a giant list. Okay. Of all these Im, uh, important things that we uh, that we offer here at the Catholic Cafe, and and I notice how right at the top, you know, we got the honey buns. Yep. In and, and that Gotta means so, yeah, exactly right. And then we have like uh, fried clams at the bottom. Weird.
2: Right. Yeah. So Weird, but good comfort food.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Fried clams are gross. I don't know, so, man. They're days. It's pretty yeah. good. All I'm trying to say is you can look <laughs> at this list and you can see what I think is important. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Fried <laughs> clams and honey buns. You know, and, and we are sort of a list-oriented society, aren't we? We are. And we look at things like... Uh, it's a human thing. I know. The businesses, you know, the Forbes top 100. Yeah. You know, where's where's your business in that little list? And Date yourself. Casey Kasem's top 40. That's right. America's top 40. There you go. Right? And then we have things like, uh, you know, the when you're getting ready to send your kid off to college, you want to look and see what the 100 right. top colleges and universities right. are, right? Uh, and, and, of course, when you go to do the sports stuff, we want to know, you know, who is the the home run leader for this particular year or uh whatever has whoever has the best stats and we all do those things like uh you know we see the people doing the fantasy football and all that you know so lists are important
2: they are important
1: well you know that's great in all of our lives Mm -hmm. you know in all aspects of our lives but i feel a segue but it's even so much more Mm -hmm. uh, impactful When we look at it in our spiritual world, in our spiritual life, and so we're going to talk about that. I happen to be perusing Uh the sacred scriptures, okay, and happened upon this little passage in Luke, and I think we're all familiar with it. But I want to read this. This is from the sixth chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. Okay, Uh, this would be verses twelve through sixteen. So it's Luke six, twelve through sixteen, and what we're reading here is just you know it's the selection of the apostles. Okay. And and which is kind of interesting, and we think well, the most important thing is we have a list of apostles here, right? But I want I want to read this, and then we're going to go back. We're going to we're going to parse this little, all right, this little, take it apart, yeah, this little these these verses here, and we're going to we're going to help us uh, elucidate some themes and ideas that are in here that we can apply. It's going to be a lot more than we ever thought that was there. great. Right. So let's let's read uh, from from the Gospel according to Luke in chapter six. In these days he went out to the hills to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles, Simon whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon who was called the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot who became a traitor. So we hear that passage... Right, right. We're all kind of familiar with that. We hear it in church every once in a while. Pretty basic. Yeah, it's like, well, here's the list of apostles. Yeah, but there's a lot in there. Yeah, that really we need to pay attention to because it, it it's going to help us be better people. Okay, right. It's going to help us not just, uh, well, here's a nice list. That's great, but it's actually there's some there's a call to action here in okay. that in that listing and and how it was described, how Luke told us. This took place. The who, what, when, where, and why. You know, the old right. journalistic questions that right. we have to ask. We're going to ask those questions mm-hmm. about this particular passage. Okay. Right? So first thing I would, I would take note of is the very beginning of this uh, passage. We hear, in these days he went out to the hills to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Yeah. So here's Jesus. And what does he do? He's getting ready to, to, to launch his ministry here on earth. His three years. He's getting ready to start this. How does he start it? What does he do? What with does prayer? He, yeah, with prayer. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you think, well, oh, I didn't really realize that he before he chose his apostles, he prayed about it. Yeah. And how often do we have, we have a big decision in life to make? Right. We're going to do. Uh, we have to choose a, a house to live in. We have to choose a um, you know a girl that we want to marry. Right. We have to we have to choose um, school for a our school children arch, or whatever. whatever. Whatever the choice may be, and we be. just jump and we just launch into it. Yeah. And so Jesus is telling us, well, "Hey, this you know is going to be important." He prayed all night. Yeah, this is a this is a life changing. Or uh, you know, a lot of people think, well, maybe not in the small decisions, and some of the times the small decisions are some of the most important,
2: right? That oh, we yeah. do
1: in our lives, right? But prayer and in, involving prayer in a decision is going to change the result. We're, we're bringing God into the equation at that yeah. point. Yeah, and then uh, uh, another important part about that prayer was. How did Jesus pray? It says right here that he went out to the hills to pray.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right now, I know that a lot of times that we're just driving along the road and we just want to we, we launch a prayer to God. Mm-hmm. You know, God, get that slope. Get out, this guy out of my <laughs> way before <laughs> I run slow. over him. No, seriously though, we'll, we'll we'll pray. You know, at the spur of the moment, and that's good. I think yeah. God wants that. I think that's a it's a good thing to pray anytime. Yeah. But it's also good, especially in those big decisions you have to make, Mm -hmm. to, like, remove the distractions from your life. Yeah. Shut the bedroom door. Turn off the TV. Right? Don't have an iPod in your ears while you're praying. Right. And just, you know, have some quiet time. Or better yet, go to to your church, sit in front of the tabernacle.
2: Ideally, the adoration. Well, if
1: you've got a, if you've got adoration of the Blessed Sacrament right. available twenty four seven, our parish does. It's a beautiful, beautiful seek gift some to the people. solitude, is what you are saying. Yeah, just go out some into peace the hills. Quiet. Right, yeah. just wherever your hills are, go out there. Yeah, uh, sitting on the back porch. What a beautiful place to, to pray. You know, as a yeah. as the sun's setting, it's just a time to be there with God. But you are not in the middle of the distractions. Right, it's going to help your prayer life.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Big
1: time. And so now. We also in the, in the next little sentence he says he called his disciples, and that and again we think well okay so what does that mean he called his disciples well the, the yeah, it's going to be the,
2: interesting to see how you break this down
1: the the word for the, what the word disciple is, it means a learner right a person who learns mm-hmm. a student
0: mm-hmm.
1: right so a disciple is a student of something well he, so he's calling his students which when we look at this we go well am I a disciple. Am I a student? Mm-hmm. Not just am I a follower it 's good to be a follower, and we sometimes equate disciple and follower mm-hmm. his followers, right. but to be a true follower is mm-hmm. to be a disciple to be a disciple is to be one who, as a sponge, absorbs yep. from the master right right we 're learners, and so you have to ask yourself, are you truly a disciple? Are yeah. you a disciple of Jesus? Are you learning yeah and what are you doing to learn right and this is a, this is a, a key because a lot of times we 'll We'll, we'll get all this, uh, our, our spirituality or our religion, and we'll, we'll, we'll cross those T's and dot those I's and we'll check off those boxes and we'll collect our sacraments and think, well, if I've got, let's say, four out of seven sacraments, I'm going to go to heaven. Yeah. Right. Well, that's not the kind of life God yeah, wants they, you to It doesn't work that right? way. Right? You've got to be learning a constant state of absorption. You're just right. absorbing the goodness of God. But learning more. Are you reading scriptures? Are you reading commentaries on scriptures? Are you going to Bible studies? Are you spending time listening to the Catholic Cafe? (laughs) You know, what are you doing to to learn? That's exactly right. What are you doing (laughs) to learn, to be a disciple? Right. Um, And that's an important concept. So then, what does he do with these disciples? It says he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he called apostles. Yeah, so now we're uh, have some. we setting some disciples apart.
2: Right. There's more than 12 there, obviously.
1: Well, there's disciples, a whole group of people. Right. And out of those group of people, he chose some leaders. Right. He chose the future of the church. He chose the people that were going to be the, the beginning.
2: After an entire night of prayer. That's right. He thought by heart about cool. this, right? Yeah.
1: And so um, the Greek word uh, apostolos. hmm I mean essentially it means to be sent out in mission okay so he basically chose twelve missioners mm-hmm. missionaries and so these these twelve were going to be the ones that were tasked with the primary goal of well we talk about apostolic tradition and apostolic succession right. in our church right they were going to be the the guardians, the keepers of truth right and and when he chose them, he knew that he prayed about it as you said right. Right. And he pulled them from this pool of people who were learning and he identified these 12 and he pulled them out and said, I want you guys to, to be the, the leaders. Right. Right. And, and he said, I don't want you just to stay at home. Right. To be on mission, to be an apostle. I want you to go. You got to go. Right. You know, you got to get out and you got to do, you got to do the work that I'm calling you to do, but it's not here. Right. Which is kind of like contrary to what a lot of people think about you know this relationship this personal relationship with our personal Lord and Savior yet yeah, we do have a personal Lord and Savior he is Jesus Christ yep. and we need to have a personal relationship with him but in the body of Christ the mystical body of Christ we're related to everyone that's right and so it's not just me and Jesus it's us right as as we need to have that apostolic zeal right we need to have that that desire to go out yeah not just to sit here but to to, to branch out yeah and and that 's uh, not always uh, you know an easy thing to do no it 's not <laughs> now i 've just gotten just just broken the surface on on this particular passage we 're going to come back and we 're going to talk more about uh, little things that we can pull out of this passage that are going to help us, I think in our life and appreciating really sacred scripture for all it's worth. It's, right. a, it's a good thing to do. Right. We're going to do that right after we take a break. Uh, before we take that break, though, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a wonderful website. It's the www.thecatholiccafe.com. And also, I'd love for you to send me an email. Tell me all about it, right? And send that to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that, we'll be right back.
0: I'm Bess and this is another great moment in church history. For nearly 2,000 years since the time of Jesus, there have been questions, doubts about God's plan of salvation. Even recently, documentaries have cropped up which offer many and varied theories about Jesus, who He was and what He did. They provide historical experts with many facts, figures, and archaeological findings, plus dramatic reenactments and scientific reconstructions, all of which serve to cast a daunting shadow of doubt over the ancient and true teachings of the Church. So where is our hope, our assurance, in this sea of doubt? What can we be sure about? Well... We can be sure that God our Father loved us so much that He sent His only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to take upon His shoulders the full weight of the combined sins of all the world, past, present, and future, and die on the cross for them. Jesus, being God incarnate, is the perfect sin offering to God. His glorious resurrection triumphed over death and, once and for all, opened the gates of heaven to each of those who would walk in His way. But for all of this to be true, to be assured of our hope for salvation, the act of the resurrection must be true. It cannot be a theoretical concept or a fanciful dream, and it cannot be symbolic. If this were the case, then our hope in salvation would also be theoretical, fanciful, and symbolic. That is why the Catholic Church has always taught that the resurrection is real, not a myth. The Holy Father, Pope Benedict XVI, confirmed that the resurrection, in his words, is not a theory but historical reality. In his Easter address he said, It is neither a myth nor a dream, it is not a vision or a utopia, it is not a fairy tale, but it is a singular and unrepeatable event. Jesus of Nazareth, Son of Mary, who at dusk on Friday was taken down from the cross and buried, has victoriously left the tomb. Because Christ overcame death in this manner, in a physical and real way, we can be assured in our hope for the eternal joys of heaven. This is something we can believe in, something we can hold on to, but as the Church teaches, that is not enough. For our part, we must act on our faith. As St. Paul tells the Colossians, In my flesh, I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. What is lacking in Christ's afflictions, his saving work on the cross, is our participation. Jesus has opened the door, but we must walk through it. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is the greatest moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff.
1: And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and we're talking about... This interesting passage in Luke. We are. That many people just kind of overlook and say, well, that's a nice little list of the apostles. Yeah. Right? Luke chapter 6, verses 12 T-T-T-T-T-T-T. through 16. And we hear where Jesus goes out of the hills and he prays all night, chooses from his disciples, mm-hmm. learners. Right. He chooses from them 12. And so we're going to look at those 12 now and get some ideas. Maybe we can get a little more out of this information uh, that than what might appear to be there. You know, uh, at first glance. Okay. And we're going to dig a little deeper in here. Let's go. So l- let's look at those twelve. One of the things that we see right off the bat mm-hmm. is that Jesus chose twelve men. Hmm. Now this is, you know, uh, we're in modern times and yep. we have a lot of people listening. And go. Well, why didn't he choose some girls? Yeah. Well, where are the women here? Yep. It doesn't mean that Jesus didn't like women. It's just that for the task of being an apostle. Mm-hmm right cuz remember these apostles are actually the predecessors to all of our bishops these are like the first priests yeah, he's building his church that's right he's building his church so when the the guy that we call father right right that priest this is the beginning so of it they're coming from they're coming from this 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 pool of apostles mm-hmm. not all the disciples were called to be priests were called right. to be apostles right, right. they're just right. the 12 and interestingly as i mentioned that these these original twelve are the predecessors to our modern day bishops. So, your bishop, wherever you are, whatever diocese you're in, you can trace it back. His, his, he is uh, right. His, his um, uh, predecessors. Right. Right. He's a successor to those original twelve apostles. That's cool. That is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Uh, to think about that, to see that connectivity with that original sort of band of brothers. Right. Right, and so it is. It is remarkable here that Jesus chose twelve men, and we see that even today. Now, as we talk about the ordination of women or, or whatever, we would look at that and go, "Well, Jesus chose these twelve men, yeah, and he wanted them to be priests, yeah." And so that's how we look at the priesthood today and realize, "Well, if Jesus chose those twelve men, that's the best we can do." Yeah, as we continue to forge forth, you know, building Christ's church here on earth, right, and, and ordaining. Priests, right. We find them from the, the, a pool of men. Exactly. Right? And so, um, that being said, mm-hmm. he also, the, the caliber of these guys. Yep. Right? He didn't go to, if they had universities at the time, or, you know, he didn't go down and, and, and get the, 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 the ones who were the most qualified, the ones who were the most educated, the ones. He got ordinary guys. Pretty average you know, guys, fishermen, or below average. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I don't know. Um, above well, average in humanity. Yeah, you, yeah, but you know what I mean. They're just—they're
2: not your uh, they're stellar not, leaders in the community.
1: Well, they're not the ones that the community would look at and say, "Well, of course, this is the person who should be mayor." Right, right. He didn't go. Right. Jesus didn't go to town hall and and round up all of those elected officials and say, "You are now going to be." Because that that was already in the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Right. He could have picked exactly. all his leadership there. He didn't. Right. He chose these guys who were out, you know, earning a living. Yeah. They were ordinary people.
2: Tough, tough living.
1: And we can see in that for ourselves this mm-hmm. idea that, you know, I'm not really called. I don't, I'm not educated, or I'm not this, or I'm not an, a, I'm not. that's not me. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to just sit here in my pew, and can you just tell me some nice words, and then I can go about my business. Right. <laughs> right? And a lot of people might feel that they are not qualified right. to be evangelists, to, to go out and, and to preach the gospel, when in fact – because Jesus chose these ordinary men, we should all feel qualified. Yeah, right. We should all realize that, you know, that the whole expression about God doesn't call the qualified; He qualifies the called. Yeah, right. He's going to give us what we need. He will. You're right. Right. So we just need to relax a little bit and, and trust just, and trust and be and ordinary. Go. Right. And just you know, exalt in our ordinariness. Exactly. Right. You know, <laughs> and just and and realize that there's a good thing there. So. That's what he did. He chose ordinary men. Right. Now, let's talk about this mixture of men. That's another really interesting point about these 12 men that he chose. Okay. It's it's a strange mixture. Okay. <laughs> right. Matthew, he's a tax collector. Right. Well, he's he needs working for Rome.
2: Yeah, not a not a a guy you want to hang he, out yeah, with. Yeah,
1: exactly right. Well, he, what is he doing? What does that money do? Right. What does that money do? What does, he, what does he do with the money that he collects? It goes to the government.
2: To his, yeah. They're enemies.
1: Right. Well, it's going to the government. And right. the government, it's it's funding, essentially, the Roman soldiers, the right. armies, and, and all of the trappings and the workings of the government. Right. So he's basically paying the man. Yeah. And he's collecting for the man. That's his job. Yeah. He's a tax collector. Yeah. Well, in that same band of brothers, in mm-hmm. the same group of bosses, that close-knit small group that are hanging out, we have Simon the Zealot. Mm-hmm. Now people think, what's a zealot? You know, yeah, zealot, what is a zealot? Well, he's a fanatical nationalist, okay, right? Who is sworn to tear down the Romans. He is zealous about destroying the the Roman hierarchy, the Roman authority, the Roman aristocracy, the Roman everything about the about Rome, and especially the Roman army. So right?
2: he's got those two paired up already.
1: Yeah. So here, That's here's Matthew, who's building up the Romans. Yeah. Here's Simon the Zealot.
2: Tearing them down. Who's
1: wanting to tear him down, and yeah. they're in the same little band. Yeah. <laughs> they're praying together, and they're listening to the words of Christ, and they're being transformed.
2: That's pretty cool. And,
1: and what, what's cool about that and what we should look at and realize, this is, this is huge for us, in our, especially in our modern times. Mm-hmm. How often do we criticize others? Do we challenge others, even within our own faith? Oh yeah. Right, we got left r- wing, we got right wing, we got Republican, we got Democrat, we got this, we got that. We got right. we, all these different factions and groups that seem to be opposed to each other. Yep. And yet Christ finds a way to unite them. Yep. And basically to sort of refocus and say, you know, that's all great all the politics, that's all wonderful. You know, enjoy yourself, have a good rally, whatever. Mhm. But you know what? Here's what. Here's what it's really about. Right. And to help us to see that even in our differences, even in our challenges, yeah, we can be united. We can. And and be transformed if we're open to it. Yeah. Now it doesn't. I, I imagine that Simon was not quite as much the zealot once he was a member of the apostles and others. He was transformed by Christ to have a, maybe a more realistic view and understanding about humanity, mm-hmm. right? And I imagine Matthew, the tax collector, was not quite the the shyster, right, right that he was as a tax collector, you know, just being uh, the, the the bag man, the money guy for, right. for the Romans. Right. And so I guess the point is that even in our, our different backgrounds, our seemingly opposed viewpoints, mm-hmm. we can come together in in Christ, in right. Jesus, and be united in a way that um, is supernatural. Oh yeah, That's so beautiful. when we think when we think there's no way that that we're all going to come together on this, yeah. Think again.
2: Yeah, Christ can make it happen. Yeah,
1: Jesus can make it happen. Absolutely, yep. because we think well, there's just never going to be peace in the Middle East. And I sometimes wonder: is there oh, yeah. ever going to be peace in the Middle East? Yeah, it just seems impossible. Yeah, how is this ever going to work? Well, you know, you could say the same thing about the 12. Yeah, you could. How is that going to work? These guys hate each other. (laughs) You're right. But somehow they're transformed. Somehow it it changes. And so we should pray for that. And we should apply that to our own lives and see that pattern in the the apostles in our own lives. Yeah. And realize that even within our church, sitting in our pew is somebody we don't really agree with. Right. Whether it's politically or whatever. Right. We're going to need to realize that we need to... Be transformed and be united uh, in Christ. So here's the other thing. And this may be the most important part of all this. Mm -hmm. I love this realization. Every time in Scripture where there's a list of the apostles. Mm -hmm. I know where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Every time. Who's always first? Peter. It's Peter. Yep. And who's always last? Judas. Yeah. Iscariot. Yeah. The traitor. Yeah. So you look at that and you go, well, you, a lot of people think, well, that's just um, uh, I don't know, happenstance or circumstance that mm-hmm. that that Peter would be named first. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, is it circumstance that Judas is named last all the time? And Good we point. we wonder why Judas is named last. Well, we don't have to wonder m- long right. before we realize. Well, wait a second, he's the traitor. Right. We're going to stick him at the tail end. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, there's also Judas. Yeah. He was the traitor, and that's what <laughs> that's what Luke says. You know, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. <laughs> Right? You know, so it's like he's he's at the end. So it's important for us in that list to realize the one in last place is not a good place to be. Right. But at the same time, we can look at the opposite and go, well, who's first? It's always Peter. Right. And so this is definitely something that we Catholics can realize, wait a second, if Peter's always listed first, then there's something special about Peter. Right. And we have a whole we have a couple of shows about Peter and the papacy.
2: But when that makes sense, you were talk you opened up the show by talking about lists.
1: That's exactly right. Who's and the number first? one right. is
2: always the most important thing.
1: Right. So we look at that and, yeah. and we say, Well wait a second, that's Pope yeah. Peter. Yep and that's something we can we can garner so when people are saying well, I challenge you to show me in Scripture where Peter is named Pope now there's lots of scripture scriptures and and we should look at I, I want you to go and, and listen to those again those shows the primacy of Peter yeah I did two shows on that mm-hmm. uh, and and um, it's important we did that it was several years ago but yeah but it it lists all those scriptures and all those things that individually would look circumstantial. Right. Like this list. Yeah. Would look like, well, it just happened to be a list. That's just happened to be because it wasn't alphabetical, but it you know it just happened to be the way that Luke recounted it. Well, right. it's also the way the other gospel writers recounted it. Yep. Good and point. because here's Peter, he's an important guy. Yeah. And we need to remember that. And so as we look at the the apostles, how mm-hmm. important they were, mm-hmm. and and models for our very lives and also predecessors to their successors the bishops mm-hmm. we can look at peter who's first on the list you know the first among equals the first on the list of the apostles mm-hmm. and look at him as the predecessor to his successors right all of the popes yep and we think well wait a second this is going to this makes me think differently yeah about the papacy and realize that it is not some kind of man-made invented nope. thing that it comes right out of scripture yep and helps us to see the importance of uh, of the the beautiful gift of the papacy to Holy Mother Church, yeah, and how it, it's it's part of Jesus's plan. Yeah, he prayed all night. He didn't do this lightly, right? Right. This is this is important stuff, and you know, and we see in this list, we see like a, a microcosm, you know, of the hierarchy of the Catholic Church. But you know, we also see in this our own personal calling, mm-hmm. right that 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 mission. That zeal to be an evangelist, right? Right to go out uh, and to uh, to share the gospel with everyone that we meet. You're right, right? And so it's a it's a beautiful gesture. It's a beautiful idea. It's a concept that sometimes can get forgotten, mm-hmm. lost in these in these lists. But something that that we as Catholics need to stop and maybe go out into the hills and pray about. Yeah, and thank God if you thought this much about choosing this list, help me about making these important decisions that I have to make. Good idea. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. Heavenly Father, you called your apostles to be leaders of your church on earth, to be guardians of the sacred truths you revealed to them, and to evangelize the world with the light of your holy gospel. Help us, like the apostles, to be filled with evangelical zeal, to live in your truth, and to lead others to you through your Son in union with the Holy Spirit. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.